Hello and welcome everyone to Drewly Noted. My name is Drew of Drewly Noted, and today I'm joined by another in a long line of wonderful guests. My guest today is somebody who I met while I was serving in the Peace Corps in Togo. He's a wonderful guy, a fantastic camp counselor, volunteer, uh, what else can I say about him? Uh, master student extraordinaire. It's the one, the only, Mr. Chen Mo Yang. <laughs> welcome, Chen. Thank you. I mean, I never had such a nice introduction like that before. So, you know, really happy to be a part of this, I guess, reboot or season two, as we will call it, or <laughs> yes. I will call it. Yeah, let's call it a reboot. <laughs> I, I think uh, enough time has gone by <laughs> in uh, in Hollywood terms. Um, yeah, how's your how's your day going? You know, um, I just finished up some of my semester from my master's program and thank you and today was nice where i had some kind of routine in my life i know we were talking a little earlier but having that school schedule and now going back to um a nicer routine i can wake up on time get coffee at the same time and (laughs) you know go to sleep and eat on time you know and uh relaxing sure there's there's such a like big weight that gets lifted off your shoulders at like the end of a semester when you you know the like everyone says, you close all your tabs, all the fifty tabs you have open on your on your laptop. Um, that's that's cool. How uh, I'm not sure I know how far are you in terms of <laughs> how long is your program and how far along are you? Well, my program is two years, so I just finished up the first year, so halfway through nice. my master's of public health at Emory University out here in Atlanta, Georgia. For awesome. everyone who may not know where Emory is, but it's right next to the CDC, you know, uh, shameless plug there. That but, um, <laughs> Shameless plug for the CDC. <laughs> Check them out. You know, for all those truly noted listeners who don't know the CDC, you know, just this little small, you know, organization. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's cool. How, how are you like in Atlanta? You've been there about a year, I guess. Yeah, I moved down in what August of last year, which... You know, during the pandemic, I guess a day feels like a year sometimes. Um, obviously, I'm very fortunate to be in like school during this time where sure. I know many people aren't, you know, mm-hmm. where they are still working and having to do a lot of other essential things. But yeah, I've been here for about what is it, like nine months and Atlanta has been so different than anywhere else I've lived. You know, I've, I've never been to the South before. I guess I never sure. lived in the South before. Mm-hmm. Um being from Wisconsin, as everyone knows, back in Peace Corps, very <laughs> yes. proud of that. And Chen, Chen yeah. is famous for sporting his Wisconsin swag all the time. He's he's always repping his home state. Let's say. <laughs> Sadly, I lost the hat though when I was no. still in Peace Corps. Yeah, You're kidding. Um, yeah, the gray hat that was legendary. But, wow. but yeah, Atlanta is um, it is iconic. <laughs> but Atlanta is definitely something unique. I would say something I've never really experienced before. That's cool. Um, before we get too far into it, I know you had, uh, something you wanted to bring up a little bit of, uh, correcting the record. So I'll, I'll throw to you for that. Yeah. So I want to just clear the air, you know, okay. <laughs> correct the record during one of your previous podcast sessions with the great Joe, as we all know, sure, um, Joe Burgold. Joe Burgold, um, he asked you about movies you watched during 2019. Okay. You know, we were we were in we were in Togo, we were in Peace Corps, of course. And I, if I remember, you know, you're talking about just some of the other ones that you watched um, via an external, I guess, for all the listeners, you know, a, yes. on a computer. Yes. But I, but in October of 2019, I'm pretty sure you and I watched Joker in Ghana. Oh, you're right. And that and that was not brought up in the podcast. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> for you to say that. Cause I, for me, I thought that was a big moment. Wow, you know, but I'm embarrassed to admit that. Yeah, I forgot, <laughs> and so that you're you're 100 correct. Uh, yeah, during our 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 service, and that was when we were in Ghana, correct? Oh yeah, we were in Ghana. We were running half marathons or five Ks, <laughs> and yeah, thank you for I think <laughs> clarifying. I think that was the first movie theater, at least I've been to ever since you know leaving for Peace Corps. And I thought that would have been very memorable for you when <laughs> uh, when Joe asked you. But, you know, I, I'm just happy I can clear the air with that. That Drew did watch a movie I did. in 2019 
with me in Accra at the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to say, Chen, my time with you is always memorable and I'm embarrassed that I <laughs> forgot it. Um, yeah, that was an interesting experience because um, it was at it was at this mall that we went to. Did we even plan on going to it or was it just kind of like a, hey, look, something's playing. Uh, let's let's drop in. If I remember, um, so yeah, we were all at the shopping mall. We were eating. Um, I mean, I don't know if you get product placement or product, you know, advertisement for this. We were eating <laughs> some fried chicken from a certain restaurant. Yeah, and... <laughs> don't mention it in, in case I get a right competing sponsor. Yeah, you know, I just want to make sure you know everything's okay. Yeah. And I think you know some of us were thinking about going to another mall. Some of us were thinking about going back to the hostel. Mm-hmm. And then some of us were like, oh, well, there's a movie theater upstairs. Let's just, like, see what's playing. Yeah. And then I think the very first, the very, like, next movie that was going to be showing was Joker. Yeah. And, you know, besides that whole experience of being in a movie theater, uh, you know, after being at least in Togo, or at least, you know, not in Lome, was taking an Uber back to her <laughs> hostel. Yeah. That was, that was almost more surprising to me than watching like a two hour film in English. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of things in, in, in Accra that uh, just like little small, like comforts from home <laughs> that I was like, wow, I feel like I am a prince living in luxury. Um, but what I remember most, <laughs> what I remember most about that movie is that it was a like freezing cold in the theater, like yes, surprisingly. Yes. So <laughs> for a movie theater in Africa uh, and Two, we were like uh, not the only people in there, but like close to the only people watching the movie. I think we had like free reign at the whole theater. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that there was less than ten people there, and you <laughs> yeah. and I probably had like a whole row, and <laughs> yeah. we still, I think, sat next to each other or something. <laughs> yeah, so just for body warmth, it was so yeah, cold. Just, just to make sure. But but Joker was definitely I don't know. This could be for another podcast. The an analyzing Joker, I at least from our perspective and maybe from like being away from the United States for so long. Yeah. I think Joker, Joker had a lot of, um, you know, insights on like society and different parts of the population and different, you know, how it's all affected. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hear that Joe, (laughs) it it was either Joker or it was either Joker or Maleficent. I believe (laughs) I, I I don't know what our options were, but I think it was. <laughs> oh, in that. terms of what we could see, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, that, that's a nice little <laughs> trip down memory lane. I'm I'm glad you re- reminded me of that. Um, and again, my apologies, Chen. Uh, I, I have plenty of other wonderful memories with you. <laughs> so, uh, what uh, before we? Uh, I think I I know you have a, a topic you wanted to talk about. Um, but I just want to talk a little bit about how I know you. Um, obviously, we were both volunteers in Togo um, in different sectors, so we didn't get to spend a bunch of time together in, in our training. But you and I were both involved in Camp Unite, which was a sort of one or two week summer camp put on by nominally by Peace Corps, but with, with, in conjunction with other uh, local NGOs uh, and the YMCA. Uh, and yeah, do you, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm not introducing it that well. Do you have like a, an elevator pitch for Camp Unite? Well, I would say that the Camp Unite lives forever. <laughs> it does. That was, that was one of the, one of the slogans, not translated perfectly from French to English, but yeah. Camp Unite lives forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a national program that really aims to provide an experience and, I guess, community capacity building um, for not only students from all parts of Togo, you know, we're talking like rural, urban, um, different regions and different ethnicities and languages, but also for the, we call them like counselors, facilitators. Sure. So I would say, you know, Camp Unity also provides this life experience that many of the students or adults may not have. And it's it's usually it's funded through the foundation the Unite Foundation, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it is you know can only work and function because of all of like the Togolese counterparts and work. I sure. mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, I guess, tell your listeners too much, but I think you, me, and another facilitator counselor Bailey, who was with us, 
Mm-hmm. They were able to do the work very well. I mean, we are happy to help facilitate and, you know, we are not paid by the Unite Foundation. Yeah. But I think that they are very capable of doing all of the work. And we were more oh. of the guests, I would <laughs> oh, say. Oh, yeah. If anything, we we just kind of showed up and, and watched and, yeah. and helped out where we could. Yeah. Um, which is cool because I think it started as a Peace Corps program, but it very much now is like, yeah, run by Tokelese. Uh, individuals. Um, what I thought was coolest about it is how it kind of brings together kids from like all over the country um, by virtue of, you know, the nomination process uh, going through Peace Corps volunteers. So like each volunteer could nominate like two kids from their, from a local school or from, from wherever. And that was cool because yeah, we, we they came together at this camp in the middle of the country, but a lot of them uh, had never maybe been outside of their region if not even like their local uh area so it was cool to um sort of the the them getting to meet like somebody from my village down in the south getting to meet someone from kura for example um and even like the all of the most of the camp counselors being uh totally citizens and a lot of them like um sort of college age so getting to like see these really great role models who are doing cool things in their communities um so yeah, I th- I thought that was like the the coolest part was just getting to to bring all these people from all over the country together and like have them get to experience like like one of the nights we did a um I don't know if we called it like a cultural night or whatever but it was basically just a big dance party and like uh it, it started out with like each sort of cabin got to um like every kid would get to teach the other kids in their whatever room they were in or, or whatever cabin they were in like here's like the one of the coolest like local dances from my village you know and uh so getting to like put on a show for the rest of the group that, that was always that that was really cool to me when when we got to see that um and then it just turned into like a, a middle school dance party which is always fun <laughs> yeah i mean i just i guess just like piggy piggybacking off of that is, I, that was one of like, the best nights where the students really got to you know and it was towards the end of the week towards the end of the camp so the students were kind of opened up more to each other but also i think to having some more pride in their own culture so they were able Mm -hmm. to showcase that at the end of the week with their new like found friends and like all the other camp counselors and us as like you know some peace corps volunteers and i thought that was just like something you know if i were to organize a camp that wouldn't be the first thing on my mind but i think that ended up being one of the most important aspects of the camp yeah. To really remember, like, you know, these are, you know, they're still, I don't want to say like kids, you know, sometimes some of their ages are different. And also, like, being 16 in Togo is a little bit different than being 16 here. But I think having that middle school dance party, you know, it's not <laughs> something that they always get, per se. So, yeah. Um, cool. I just, I wanted to touch on that briefly, because um, that's uh, where most of my memories with you come from. Um, I would be remiss if we talk about Camp Unite. Oh, Yes. And I don't say, I said a boom, chicka, boom. I said a boom, like, chicka, boom. That, now, you can put that in post. You can put that anywhere you want. But um, Just throughout the episode, to... <laughs> just you saying boom, chicka, boom. Chin, yes. I will say, is one of the, like, for, for him, he, so you weren't in the um, education sector. You were a, uh, I don't know what we would call it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what were our sectors called? Uh <laughs> Health, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you were in the health <laughs> sector. Um, although you were, of all of our volunteers, one of the best uh, at, with kids, I, I want to say. Like, for some reason, Chin just has a very youthful energy, and uh, the kids were drawn to him. And he would do the sort of classic, like, call and response. I said a boom, chicka boom. And <laughs> the kids would go crazy for it. And so throughout the week, uh, <laughs> instead of calling him Mr. Chin, which that was also a, a one of his nicknames, but um, the kids would just yell at him. I said a boom chicka boom. And uh, he was, I got to say, you were a local celebrity. Thank you for that. I mean, the backstory was honestly, I didn't think about doing that until maybe 30 minutes before my session on malaria, because I think this, the the camp participants, they've been doing like the same ones, you know, which one I'm talking about. Yeah. They've been doing like the same ones throughout and they, they enjoy it, but you know, this one, it was just, I thought I just, I just remember hearing like this when I was a kid and, you know, I just thought it'd be a fun way to get them involved. And 
you know, the more you get into it, then the more I think they respond. So I, you know, you just got to go out and go all out for that. And yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm great with kids or not. Thank you for saying that. But I I mean, I've, I've worked with like middle school students and children even before Togo and, um, oh, I don't know, right, maybe yeah. that prior experience has been helpful. Um, but, you know, you say local celebrity, but <laughs> dare, I, dare I say national celebrity? Yeah, like, I, I, not that I, I say it. <laughs> dare, dare I say national celebrity? Because I, I think a boom chicka boom got to Kara and <laughs> parts of Central and even uh, <laughs> Maritime. And I was in the Plateau region for those yeah. listeners, but... That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> I'm I'm picturing like yeah, all these kids going back to their communities and like teaching all their friends, and then it like slowly spreads in the country. Um, yeah, I think you started a movement. <laughs> I mean, I I knew it was gonna go big when one of the organizers at the camp pulled me aside. I don't know. I think you were there, and he just pulled out his phone. It's like I need you to record. Uh, I said a boom chicka boom for me on my phone and i was like oh why he's like oh, I, I just want to keep it save your voice and you know i just want, i love it so much and i'm gonna share it with everybody at the um the partnering organization the ymca togo yeah and i was like oh i made it i, I this this is it <laughs> he has like a minute 30 um like recording of me and i think <laughs> it has been spread through you know the whatsapp channels of togo oh, so man. my voice is i think yeah. the president might probably has heard of me so <laughs> yeah probably um yeah i forgot to mention uh and didn't even think of it myself but yeah you were uh before peace corps you were in the americorps program is that right yes i actually did two americorps services or i guess you would say services yeah the first one the first one was out in san francisco in the bay area where i was working at um a school in san francisco and i was more of like a i guess educational slash teacher assistant per se Mm -hmm. but a lot of my work focused on after school programming with is k through eight the school is k through eight but i was more focused with the middle school sixth seventh and eighth graders and implementing just like you know besides homework clubs like science clubs math clubs and trying to provide more of that because the school didn't have per se many um, opportunities to do after school and I guess I would say most of the students were not enjoying some of the ones that were present at that time so that was my main role in the first year and then I went to go and do a second one a little bit more health related you know kind of to my public health masters right now and to community health in Togo but Mm -hmm. it was in Milwaukee Wisconsin yeah. wait you know to shout out to wisconsin anytime, <laughs> shout out anytime wisconsin. i can anytime i can name drop that then yeah that one's got to stay but, but yeah i was at a community health center that served the south side of milwaukee which is heavily populated with spanish-speaking families mm-hmm. or in the household at least so english is their second language sure. um and i was working there as an americorps kind of i guess it'd be like community health assistant again for this program we call it the healthy choices program yeah and yeah it was just like my really my first experience into what public health looks like community health and how important community engagement is and sustainability so yeah and then that took me to togo (laughs) very cool (laughs) um so yeah chin is the most public servant of public servants (laughs) always giving back um that's that's cool and now you're uh, doing your public health masters. Um, I'm curious, sort of like, what kind of stuff are you are you learning about? And uh, not to put you on the spot, but um, you know, following up, Emily did such a good job presenting her uh, <laughs> her uh, topic about her uh, her studies. Uh, I'm gonna throw you in the same boat. Yeah, and oh, thank you for bringing up Emily. When I was listening to that podcast, I really enjoyed how how they took such a you know, maybe difficult, but also confusing topic for someone who has no background in that. And they made it so easy to understand, you know, such a complex issue into something that, you know, any podcast listener could probably digest. So I really appreciate Emily for doing that. But yeah, so I'm studying global epidemiology. So 
kind of relevant to sure. you know the global pandemic that we are in. Yeah, very. I think I think something something interesting. I guess a little backstory was um, I applied to the Massive Public Health even before the pandemic back in Toco, wow. and you know it was always something I was interested in. And now that this has all been happening, I think even more interest. You know now. People, if you say, oh, I'm an epidemiologist, they kind of have an understanding of like, okay, this is what you do. But I would say pre-2020, not, I don't even think that you, I, I don't even think I could explain what an epidemiologist really does. So, yeah. but a, a lot of what we, or at least what I've been learning in my first year is just how we can take, for example, I mean, I'll, I'll keep using COVID-19 because that's very applicable and relatable, you know, sure. in school right now especially when students used to say, when will I ever use this? Right. Well, at least in global epidemiology, you know, you, you, you know when you can use it because it's happening in real time in the sure. world. But it's taking and looking at data, let's say, about like cases, COVID-19 cases, mm -hmm. and really understanding what that means and interpreting, interpreting it in a scientific way, but also in a way we can tell the general public to probably inform some health like guidance and decisions. Hmm. For example, something that we were really focusing on is how many people who have diabetes are at risk of COVID-19 disease. Hmm. But then also, you know, you can rephrase you could rephrase that in a way that means something totally different and understanding these nuances are important. So, how many people who have COVID-19 disease also have diabetes? You know, it's the denominator of the people change. Oh, You're looking at COVID-19. So you have to have COVID-19 disease for the second example. Right. right. And then how many of that are at risk or have diabetes? But then the first one I was saying is, well, let's just look at everybody maybe who has diabetes, like type 2 diabetes in the U.S. So, mm -hmm. you know, that, that population is different, but it may, it might sound similar to someone who's not really right. looking. But it's looking at that and understanding Okay, so these are the risks. These are the associations. Mm. You know, something that we I think we will never really say, at least in epidemiology, is cause. this causes this. That's always one of those words that we always stay away from because it's mm. nearly impossible, I would say, to show causation. Right. So at least within the program, we're really looking at, okay, so some of these factors are associated with a higher likelihood sure. of having of you know having COVID nineteen disease, for right. example, and I think a lot of the program is really looking at that and just how do we now disseminate that information to the general public, to you know policymakers, to hospitals, to frontline workers, just to anyone, mm. so that we can all have a more, I guess, understanding and. We all have the same base of facts and truth sure. about where the health information and scientific data is coming from. So that's been very interesting. Yeah. I've also been doing some things with vaccine behavior, hesitancy, and acceptance, which is very interesting as well. Sure. That's that's really cool. Um, do, you, do you have any control over, over kind of like what classes you take? Um, like, are those things that you were interested in and you chose to take? Um, because that's sort of like... What, what piques your interest? Yeah, I, uh, well, for the most part, you know, they have like those required courses in sure. order to get your degree, but they do leave a lot of room because there's so many different public health departments like um, sure. health policy, for example, or global health, you know, behavioral sciences, environmental health. So I would say, you know, if a normal course load of required work is like nine credits per semester, mm -hmm. And the average uh, student takes probably 15, you know, 14, 15 credits. So that leaves you maybe two, three classes where you can kind of take as an elective. Mm. And something that I've been a little bit more interested in, you know, as a global epi major is also the global health side. So although they are not required, I, I'm also a little bit more interested in vaccines, not just the COVID-19, but sure. vaccines in general and preventable disease. I think, you know, some of my main interests really lie within infectious disease um, and like vaccine behavior among like populations, not trying to like force people to get a vaccine, but just understanding what 
makes them more accepting of it or what makes them, you know, a little bit more reluctant. But I'm also, again, more specifically, I'm looking at um, underserved minority populations, Mm -hmm. um, specifically right now in the summer. This summer, I'll be doing stuff with the refugee migrant population um, just outside of Atlanta on that. Oh, wow. So That's cool. Um, do you, do you have to do like a, uh, sort of end of program, uh, big writing assignment, like a thesis or something like that? And, and do you know like what, what you're, what you're going to do? Um, I mean, I guess if you, you can call <laughs> it a big writing assignment, yeah. <laughs> I guess we can, I guess we can call it a big writing assignment. <laughs> if you know, it sounds, it doesn't I'm not, sound I'm as, not trying to make as, it like, <laughs> no, less no, no. Cool than I, it is. I'm just, no, I like, I like that phrase as opposed to thesis thesis just sure. has such a like a scientific like i don't want to say like um you know that academia like oh a thesis but really yeah. you know if you if you think about it it's just a really big writing assignment <laughs> yeah um so yes i do have so there's an option of that or a capstone which is more like it's still a big writing assignment but more applied writing assignment a thesis right. is more like research applied assignment sure. um i currently do not have um a topic but i have been reaching out recently to well maybe if i say it if i manifest it you know it, or it might happen right <laughs> I, I, i've been reaching out to some professors and actually i just got heard back from one and i'm meeting them soon cool. about covid19 vaccine and other like associated behaviors with yeah with COVID nineteen vaccines and how that may or may not be affecting reproductive health in mm. Ethiopia, especially in Ethiopian women. Oh wow! Um, so that might be interesting. But they're also doing a side project with COVID nineteen and the TB tuberculosis vaccine. Mm. Yeah, um, trying to see what if has things been changing. I mean, in the United States, for all the Julie noted listeners, you know, we probably don't really hear much about TB here or right. get vaccinated here because it's, um, it's not very prevalent, let's sure. say, here. But in Togo, I don't know, Drew, if you had the chance, you know, they do the TB vaccine all the time mm. for the children, for the babies and newborns. Right. So, yeah, those are some um, possible topics that I might be looking into. So, that's we'll awesome. See how it goes. That's really cool. Um, I'm sure. You're like just finishing the semester, like oh good, I don't have to think about all this stuff anymore. And I'm like, so <laughs> what are you plan? What is the most stressful thing I could ask you? <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, what was I gonna say? Um, as you can see, I'm really good at segues. <laughs> I mean, the transitions of your podcast sessions lately are just remarkable. I mean, oh, you leave you. it up to the you leave it up to the interviewee to really push it through. <laughs> Sorry, right when you said right, right when you said thank you, I was giving you like a half compliment and then walking it back. But. <laughs> um, yeah, it's amazing the magic that uh, the magic of editing um, and uh, forcing your guest <laughs> to, to fill the space. <laughs> um, of course, I, I want to ask you: um, Is there any kind of topic or uh, area of conversation that you want to uh, share with the general public or me? Yeah, so I'm very fortunate to be here with uh, Drew Orlin. And thank you for acknowledging that. Yes, my time is very valuable. (laughs) And uh, all those, you know, newly, I guess, new Drewly noted listeners, as well as all of the veterans, you know, the all of the OGs, our diehard kids say these days, the diehard fans, Mm -hmm. and for the family and friends. But as the kids are saying, our stands. Oh. You know, I don't really know that one too well. But, oh, Chin, you gotta, you gotta get on hey, TikTok, man. See, that is one thing I, I never got on it. It have TikTok was something when we were in Togo, right? And then I just never, kind of, yeah, n- never got on that trend. Man, you, the the following you could have on on <laughs> Mister Mister Chin's TikTok, you could be talking about public health. You could be doing boom chicka boom <laughs> rhymes. Man, there's it's it would, a gold mine yeah. of opportunity here. It would only be boom chicka booms. If I and and watch that video, as long as that video gets paired with the original audio I did in Togo. Oh wow, man, that'd be amazing. Yeah, but yes, TikTok. Yeah, it's all about the audio taking off. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, sorry. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, I thought it would be something. At least it'd be interesting. And 
really um you know kind of like purposeful given what's like um given the month we're in i don't know if you know but may is the asian american pacific islander heritage Uh, month or Mm -hmm. aapi um and i thought it'd be something to you know something be interesting to just bring a little something that you know i you know have some personal experience with you know it's not it's a little lighthearted, but also it'll be, I think it'll be interesting for all the listeners to, you know, okay. kind of shed a little light on it from like a, an AAPI perspective. Sure. Um, so, you know, after being in Togo, I'm sure you might have some appreciation of this as well, or also just like living in a very diverse kind of country. Mm-hmm. Names are extremely important. Yeah. And... I think the kind of the topic I kind of want to just, you know, kind of bring up a little bit is pronouncing names. Okay. So, you know, how this kind of relates to the AAPI Heritage Month is, you know, a lot of people of Asian American Pacific Islander descent may have unique names, you know, non-Anglo-Saxon, I would say, in mm-hmm. the United States or abroad. You know, I'm an example, right? Sure. And I think... Sometimes, you know, when I've been hearing people, you know, talk about, you know, what 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 could I do, you know, to maybe something small or something, I guess, anything, mm. you know, to kind of inc- increase that diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, especially at the, you know, academic level, you know, that they really are trying to push that more, but also in the professional level or a professional world, right? And I think pronouncing names correctly could go a long way. Sure. So, I mean, the biggest example when I was thinking about this is, mm-hmm. um, you know, the vice president, Kamala Harris. Mm. You know, I, I'm i sure, you know, you're in D.C. now. I'm sure you probably heard there was, you know, there's, there was quite a little bit about her name, her first name, sure. how to pronounce it. And I think she even put out like a ad or commercial when she was running for the nomination about how mm. to pronounce it. Um. And then, you know, you you have two sides of this, where it's like, you have the way to, how, you know, how she wants to have it pronounced and how it is pronounced. And mm-hmm. then you have, like, another side that, I don't want to say weaponizes it, but maybe right. they utilize it for a way to diminish or minimalize her identity. Sure. And I, yeah, and I think, you know, when we were in Togo, I it, I mean, and you were a teacher, so you had to like know at least, you know, the the students there have um, like very beautiful, amazing names, and they all are like very proud of it. And they'll give you their first name, their middle name, maybe if they have like a Christian or uh, Muslim name, and then like their last name, right? Right. So being able to, you know, have this conversation maybe with someone with a unique name for, you know, for the sake of the podcast and this example of AAPI Heritage Month, I'll stick with um, AAPI kind of names. Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes you have to have that hard conversation if you've known someone for a long enough time and you've been like pronouncing their name wrong or maybe you're the one and then they're pronouncing your name wrong. You know, it's an awkward conversation to have like after like five years of like, you know, friends and to bring it up with someone like sure. actually you know you can pronounce my name this is how you pronounce my name and i think like the biggest point of it is being able to just you know pronounce the name but also not try to make such a big deal out of it is something that can go a long way to mm. you know if if you are api or if you're an ally of the api community because i think you know from personal experiences when you kind of i don't want to say you hear excuses but you you start hearing some reasoning within the person let's say someone comes up to my name so my name is chen mo right mm-hmm. but someone comes up to me and then you know they say my name wrong and then you know i and then they hear how i say it and then they'll start explaining themselves to me as if i did something wrong or maybe they had like another like that they were kind of i don't think they were answer the right word is trying to rationalize mm. why they said it wrong and I understand that feeling, you know, it's like a knee-jerk reaction where it's like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Oh, my goodness. Like, oh, I didn't know this is, you know, I've done this and this and this. Sure. I honestly think that just, you know, asking them like how, 
do you pronounce your name? You know, even if someone hasn't met me and they see my name on paper, right, written, they've never Mm -hmm. heard it before. The first time we meet, I think I also appreciate it if they just ask me. You know, maybe trying may or may not be the best way because then you run into that same situation that mm-hmm. I was just ex- describing where they will, where sometimes you'll hear like that explanation about why they said it. And then sure. that just makes it kind of awkward because then now I'm like, oh, so now I know all of this history about why you may or may not be saying names wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but names have so much meaning, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be mispronouncing it all the time and as i was saying let's say you meet someone for the first time and you've only seen it written you never heard of it i think just simply asking oh hi how do you pronounce your name is very easy to do Hmm. but also goes a long way especially for someone with a non-anglo saxon name sure um i mean i don't know what what are your quick thoughts on that I, i i i'm also thinking about you know not just kamala harris but there's just so much studies being done with, let's say, like job resumes, right? I think mm-hmm. they talk about that very often, sure. where you have like an Anglo-Saxon name and a non-Anglo-Saxon name. Right. Very similar, almost, I think, identical resume, except for the name. And then, you know, the Anglo-Saxon name always, or not always, they tend right. to have a higher um, rate of, I guess, a return, an interview. Right. Um well, first of all, thank you for for sharing. That's a really interesting uh, topic you bring up. Um, and obviously, I can't I can't speak from personal experiences as, as well as you can. Um, yeah, it's it's frustrating, uh, even as somebody who, um, like for for example, my my name is not very difficult. And growing up, I never had like um, I think so. You think back to like an example of being in a um, a class with a substitute teacher or even on like the first day of school and a teacher <laughs> like mis mispronouncing a name, but not, not dealing with it very well, you know, making a big joke out of it or like making it sort of self-deprecating in a way that it doesn't have to be. Um, but yeah, it, it is frustrating. Um, I think I, I appreciate the example you gave at the beginning, because I think it's one of the most high profile examples of Kamala Harris and how, I mean, when you talk about names that, are should be well known in a country like president and vice president are pretty up there and uh like there's the marginal excuse of maybe not knowing how it's pronounced because you're not familiar with um with that name or that culture and then there's the almost immediately after like okay so now that you know how it's pronounced the continuing to mispronounce it as like you said weaponizing um that to me has been the most uh, frustrating, um, yeah, the most frustrating high-profile example of that. But I appreciate you bringing it up. Um, I, I can say, like personally, being in Togo and let's say being put in that position of a teacher having to pronounce names that I'm not very familiar with, but like you said, of course, are very important to a student's culture and mm-hmm. their family, um, and uh, struggling with that. And even when you put in the, the effort, um, you know, not always pronouncing it right, um, like uh, passing back papers, you know, the kids would laugh at me a lot for, for the the effort that I would make trying to pronounce the name, but it, it is very important. And um, I think I, I, I regret not putting more work into um, asking them about their names. I, I think the, the name culture in Togo is very interesting. Like you mentioned, sort of having multiple names used in different contexts and and in ways that we wouldn't in the US, you know, calling students by their last name, because so many of them, maybe their first name, their first local name being the day of the week they were born on. And just that being a whole thing that I had to to understand. Um, and uh, the, I, I remember the, the conversations that I had with like local counterparts. Um, they they kind of were tongue in cheek about, yeah, like it's it's very interesting that so many of us have a local name like Kofi or Komla, uh, and and how many of those share? And like, if two people are born into the same family on the same day, how you might distinguish them with like little suffixes on the end. Um, and I just thought that was so fascinating. Um, and I regret sort of not learning more about um, sort of the significance of those. Um, I don't know what I'm getting at here. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought I had a thought, of, but I don't really. I, I really just appreciate the fact that that you brought that up. Well, I'm glad that you had this. Um like reflective 
you know, I guess kind of experience, you know, looking back at your experience in Togo and help maybe moving forward, you know, that, you know, has changed your perspective on things. But I mean, even like me, although I, you know, I am aware of this, it's still, you know, something that you have to continually work on because you're never going to know how to pronounce everybody's name at all time. You know, there's so many different unique names out in the world. Right. And I guess to kind of add on to this, you know, growing up, you know, because you kind of talked about, you know, when you were like in elementary, middle school, I've always gone by Chen Mo. Mm. And then it really wasn't until like college um, where I went by Chen. And it was only because I kind of remember like there was like some TAs, professors and like some friends that were like, oh, you know, I think it'd just be easier to call you that. And at that point, wow. I was like, you know, if, if I know someone like, you know, you and I like Chen is, you know, that's fine. It's not, you know, I, you know, that's a good nickname. I like it. I use it. Mm. But TAs and professors, it was just like kind of like something new because I never used Chen in like an academic setting growing up in middle school or high school or anything. And then once that kind of started, I just kind of like caught on and then just kind of stayed. And I even, you know, I used it, you know, when I'm in San Francisco, Milwaukee, and then in Togo. I think I probably introduced myself. Oh, my name is Chen Wu, but you call me Chen. Hmm. But, you know, I think now that I'm back in this other, you know, academic setting again, my master's program. I only introduce myself as that. And it's been kind of like a reclaiming, I guess, of the sure. name, of that meaning, of the feeling, you know? So yeah. every time I'm on Zoom, every time I'm in a class, um, you know, I think that was very nice why you how you introduced my name at the beginning of this podcast. Mm. Yeah. You know, although, although, like I said, you and I know each other very well and Chen is great. But sure. yes, I'm very happy, I think, to be in that kind of moment also self-reflecting like maybe where you are where I use that as my you know whenever I introduce myself at my um at Emory here or with any kind of professor mm. but yeah so it's a re a reclaiming I guess I would say of sure. something that feels like it's not that wasn't a part of me because when I say Chen Yang I know that's very that's very common and associated like AAPI maybe even Chinese descent but as a Hmong American you know or from Hmong from a Hmong background culture sure. Chen Mo has a totally different meaning mm. so I try to you know go and start um start, try to start reusing that more sure um do you mind if I ask uh you, you touched on the fact that it has a special meaning to you or do you, are, do you feel comfortable sharing that or is that more of a private thing oh the name Chen yes. Mo yeah. Yeah. So in Hmong, it, it just means the rough English translation because it's hard to always translate perfectly. It just means um, to still have, hmm. and then that's so that's kind of like um, that's kind of like it. But interesting. So so if I wanted to say so Chen Mo is like the Anglo-Saxon version of saying the name in Hmong, which I will pronounce it is Cheng Mo. And then Chen Mo is just how my parents decided to write it down and start saying it. But so then you have that Hmong version trying to become Americanized mm. in a way, which it doesn't fully get you there to being, right. you know, Americanized. But I think at that time, you know, my parents are like, let's just give them a Hmong name and write it down in English as best as we can. Um, mm. I, I know it, I honestly, I mean, I like the name. It's not as nice as the name given to me by my village in Togo. Yeah. I don't know if you had another name. Well, you were Komla. You were born on a Tuesday. Is that what it is? On a, or, uh, oh, I should know this. <laughs> I think it's a Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just goes back to show how important names are, not yeah. just to, you know, AAPI, but even, you know, our families and new friends in Togo. I'm, I was Kofi, born on Friday. Yeah. But the village, and the Kofi is in Eve name every word for mm -hmm. those listeners out there but i was in in aquaso village so mm -hmm. they wanted to give me an even more local name than just an eve name sure. which was obweaba okay which which means the good things have arrived oh that's very and nice. I, and I really vibed with that name when they told me <laughs> that meaning. I felt so good. I was like, "That's nice." wow, the village chief really put some thought into this one. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you had any another name. That's that's such a great uh, little anecdote. Because, I mean, talking about how much names can have meaning, like the, uh, the idea of 
yeah, your village giving you this name that's not just like, here's what we can call you and you can call yourself, but also like kind of a message to you, a message of like, welcome. Um, that's cool. Yeah, my, my name was Komla, born on a Tuesday, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, <laughs> gonna have to fact check myself afterwards. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, I think it's interesting you mentioned sort of the, you know, like you said, names having so much meaning, but also um, how you're like, no one person is ever going to be able to pronounce everyone in the world's name the way it should be. Um, and when we talk about sort of like translating a name, um, like what you mentioned, um, like your name uh, in Hmong culture and how you pronounced it, um, like it's, there's not, there's no like perfect way to write that in English. Like, you know, your parents had to decide how to, to write that and it's never going to be uh, translated or pronounced perfectly uh, by someone like me um, who is familiar with like, you know, like a, an English sort of pronunciation and Roman, uh, <laughs> Roman, whatever you call that um, script. Um, and then vice versa, you know, if I, um, I spent some time in China and like introducing myself, um, there's not like a way for me to write my name perfectly so that someone will pronounce it perfectly in Chinese um, or, or in, in, in that form of writing. So it's, that's very interesting to me that like, it's uh, some things can't be perfectly sort of translated like that. Um, speaking of sort of like, now that you, you mentioned sort of introducing yourself um, as Chenwa in your uh, program and like kind of reclaiming that, um, and like you said, I think when, when I met you, you introduced yourself as such and then said, you can call me Chen. And in our friend group and our Peace Corps group, uh, we colloquially refer to you as Chen. Um, uh, you know, this is kind of a public space. A lot of our friends are probably listening to this. Would you, would you prefer for us to, to, to call you, uh, by one or the other or? You know, I think you bring up a great point and I, you know, especially within our friend group, you know, Chen is um, a great way for me with you all because I think that name again had a lot of um, it has so much more meaning with our friend group or at least within the Peace Corps Togo cohort. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love those for all the peace for all those listeners out there the Chenisms that came <laughs> out of it. Yeah, and, I, and and like you know, I so I guess for the record, Chen, you know, within this, you know, our friends, I am perfectly fine and very happy with. But I think when I'm more in, I guess, settings where, you know, I might not know someone or, mm. you know, where it may be a little bit more like why or like, you know, academic, I guess, you know, sure. I keep using academic because that's where I'm mm. at. I would like or I still use and I will continue using Chen Mo sure. until, you know, there's this other level. So the Chen out of Chen's is like, I <laughs> again, I guess it, it goes back to how much you know impact and you know i guess meaning it has to mm. a person i think our whatsapp group says they've they've had some um tangents with the chenisms and i've been very <laughs> happy i don't know if you've looked okay i was gonna ask how you <laughs> felt about those uh if so just chen is referring to you know chen uh <laughs> rhyming with a lot of things and rhyming with a lot of other names so uh i i'm trying to think of some examples um Obviously, Chenrique Iglesias, <laughs> Chen, that, Jennifer Lopez. I brought that one in. Yeah. Um, there's <laughs> no shortage of, of nicknames for you. Um, so you're, I was going to ask how you felt about that. Well, I personally enjoyed them because, well, one, it means that you are, well, none of them have been like ill-intentioned. Right. I think that's like the biggest one. If Maybe if someone is like doing it in a different kind of perceived way, or mm. then that'll be a different meaning. But from my experience with like our Peace Corps Togo group and how it's been used, it's always been in a very like, you know, lighthearted, fun, but it it also means to me that they were they put some thought into me and at least some thought into it. Hmm. It's not easy to make up some of these names. Okay. I've I spent <laughs> some days in Togo just like really trying to like think of some good ones for myself and Yeah. It's it's hard. But I mean I I, I bring this all up. Oh go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I think it's definitely a sign of love rather than sort of uh, playfulness. It's, 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 of course, well-intentioned. Yeah. It's very endearing, I think. Um, I mean, I can just like rattle off a few. I know um, like 
it was a John Chenin is a good one. Oh, okay. John F. Chennedy. <laughs> yep. Um, I think the the Chen Commandments for all of those who are reading out there is also a good one. Sure. Um, as I said before, Chen out of Chen. Mm-hmm. Um, Checkpoint Chen, but that's a kind of different story. But, you know, that <laughs> still kind of goes in there. Um, yeah. I think yeah, if so, anything, it yeah. shows that uh, you were definitely an iconic volunteer in our stage. <laughs> Yeah, and in that regard, I think I really um, accept it, and I really like it. I'm a big fan of it. But yeah, like I said, if you know if it's happening with someone outside of Peace Corps Togo group, sure. and it's not like the intention and everything is right. different, then I will have a little bit more of an issue with it. Mm. Did I? I don't know if we touched on this, but if you were introducing to yourself to someone in Togo, would you? What what name would you use? Um, let's say like a new teacher at your school or somebody uh in who outside of your village let's say while i was in um my village of, of togo um either or yeah like if you were meeting an adult in togo and they introduced <laughs> themselves what what name would you tell them you can call me this um just out of curiosity yeah 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 that's a great question within my village hmm. i would always use kofi oboyaba Okay. Because to follow the local, I guess, culture, and especially to respect my village chief who gave me that name, and he made like a public forum to the village where that will be my name. Wow. So you know, in order also to, avo- I would say, to lessen the yovo or other you know, right. ansada kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So then, if I went around the village trying to say, "Oh, my name is Chen Mo." then there might be some confusion there right. because then they're like, oh no, that's not Kofi. His name is Chen Wu. What? So <laughs> yeah. In, so in in terms of that, anything within my region, actually within my district, you know, sometimes I had to go out of my village. I would stick with sure. just the Togolese given names. Now, if we're in a regional capital, like I guess Lome or Takmame, I guess, you know, sure. something like that, then I would use Kofi without the Oboyaba or I would just use Chen. Okay. I think... Like with George, if I could bring him up, yeah, I used Chen and Chen Wall because at that point he was actually more interested in knowing my, um, I guess you know, sure name as opposed to maybe the given name for my village. Right. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I was asking. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, we didn't even touch on the the Yovo of it all. <laughs> how how that <laughs> name carries so much weight as well, um, in a different way. Um. But yeah, that's that's really cool that your chief did that, and and, and uh, probably early on to, to maybe foreseeing some of that uh, treatment. Um, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I had a similar sort of experience in terms of mostly going by my local name, Kof, uh, Komla, um, even with my students. Um, although I did make make a point at the beginning of each sort of year to like share with them a lot, like about my life back in the U.S. And like part of that was explaining what my full name was and how to say it. Um, and they always thought that was interesting. I, I was always impressed too, they, how they would remember that. And like, uh, like for the most part, they called me by my, my local name, but every now and then uh, one, of the, one of them would use my, my real name and uh, I'd be like taken aback by it. Because um, for the most part, I only really told like my host family when, I, when we were in training um, she called me by, my, my host mom called me by, she called me Andrew. Um, and that was another thing. Cause I, I was foreseeing difficulty with just the name Drew. And I was like, maybe on Andrew or Andre, like in French, like <laughs> trying to lessen the, make, make it easier for people to, to call my name. Um, but yeah, finding quickly that, okay, <laughs> it's kind of a shortcut if I just use my local name. Cause then there's not the whole struggle of like, Here's my here's how you say my American name and here's how it's pronounced and um I mean even even the the Tokolese people who I would tell my last name you know they pronounce it Orland like and and with a more like French accent and that like I got used to that but um yeah I, I mean kind of like you said it's there's at the back of your mind every time someone says that's like well that's not really how it's pronounced or how how my family pronounces it so it's yeah there's there's a lot that goes into that um again i thought i was making a point i really don't know where i'm going <laughs> well well it sounds like you had a similar experience granted it was not within the american context right 
you know, it was happening in Togo. Yeah. You different. you yourself were feeling like, oh, let me change my name, how it's pronounced. Because, you know, to make it easier for someone else, let's right. say. But yeah, so yours was like maybe within like a Togolese context. And I'm not here to go around and tell you like, you need to go and force everyone to go and say your, to pronounce your name correctly. Mm. But I think it's something that you have to really be aware of that when, you know, for example, you're working with someone who has like a non-English accent name, that mm. the way you pronounce the name does have an impact on sure. them. And also like just on like the whole atmosphere. It ha- yeah, it, it's, it's going to mean something. Right. Regardless if you think it does or not to the person. So right. even you, you had that feeling. And, you know, even I, you know, still, um, you know, even I, I would say like, you know, international students, especially who have non-Anglo-Saxon names, again, sticking with the theme of AAPI Heritage Month, um, sometimes they may not want to, you know, talk in class or be called on mm. because, you know, a professor will just look at their name Oh. Maybe call them by their last name or just, just wow. say, oh, yeah, you, you know, like, hey, you, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you want to go like, oh, did you want to say something instead of just saying their name? So mm. it, I, I don't want to, you know, it's hard. I don't want to generalize anything, right. but I know that there is instances and even me like having personal experiences like, um, yeah, you know, at this point, you know, I just only want to deal with it, you know, yeah. like, you know, I don't need to say anything. Right. But as, as I was saying, that's kind of like changing and sure. At this point, you know, at least within the American context, people, you know, I will make sure if people are very willing, like, you know, to be, to learn and want to pronounce my name correctly, I will make sure like they learn it and I'll make sure that they know how to pronounce it mm. and not like pronounce it wrong. You know, I'll, I'll make sure, you know, they're going to put, what did they, the kids say to this? Put some respect on my name. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah. All as, these kids these days. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um. In certain contexts, everyone deserves to have their name pronounced correctly, especially academic setting or, I mean, even more so a professional setting mm-hmm. and, uh, of course, with friends as well. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, there sure, sometimes it does depend on context, but for the most part, especially in the U.S., like you said, things are changing, I think, to to where, <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to re-say what you said <laughs> better than I did. Um, so, yeah, thank thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think, um, I, I, it sounds like we keep uh, aging ourselves here. I would say the younger generation, <laughs> they seem more comfortable with, you know, keeping their full name or their full pronunciation of their name mm. and utilizing that in any space that they're in. And I think that's something that we all could probably follow their lead on yeah. and just really understand. Because who, who, who is that? Who, who is that one guy? You know, Shakespeare or something like that. <laughs> What's in a name that which we call a rose by any other name with smell is sweet? I don't know if you're going to get copyrighted on that or whatever. But yeah, I have to I mean, cut that out. So, so Shakespeare doesn't <laughs> sue me. I mean, in the context of, the, of what Julia is saying, you know, I thought about it like, okay, so Romeo could have any other name, mm. right? And then he would, you know, it'd still be, you know. Sweet, and you know you would still love him regardless of who he was because right. they had the family issues because yeah. of their names. But also, just like you know, if you think about that first line, like "What's in a name that wish we call a rose by any other name?" Well, there's a lot apparently. Maybe from our discussion, we just talked about a name means a lot. So yeah, you can Julia. call him Romeo. You you <laughs> can call him Romeo. You can call him Rose. We're taking hot takes on uh, wow. Shakespeare. Hashtag um, Juliet is canceled. <laughs> well I, in the context of the play no, yeah. i think you know you have that like romantic like okay it's for the love you know but yeah. there's there's a there's a lot of meaning in a name you yeah. can't just call romeo a rose because as we just discussed they're you know they're not the same no yeah but, that's a that's a good point and uh as always chen exhibiting his um incredible learnedness and uh <laughs> familiarity with world literature um you know uh, that that one guy you know it's just that one guy (laughs) um yeah that's great uh tying this tying this into a a, uh (laughs) into a classic uh, age-old question um no that that's great thank you chan um (laughs) i think with that uh we're we've 
Um, I hope we provide <laughs> enough content for you. And I, re- I really do think, I don't know if you want to keep this in or not. You know, if you're thinking about some ways, you know, again, I, I keep talking about AAPI, you know, we haven't really touched a lot about it yet. Mm. But given the pandemic, you know, you think about the Asian hate crimes that have mm. been happening. And even within this year, just 2021, from like March or like April until now, I think there's been over like 6,000 reported, which is insane. Yeah. Um, so when we when we put that, you know, a little bit more into like a serious context, but also into what we were discussing, right. um, pronouncing someone's name can go a long way in being an ally or into empowering or mm. really being involved with that diversity, equity, and inclusion. It, it really shows that you are trying to be a part of the solution. Um, right especially during the times that we live in with all of the, you know, hate crimes and rhetoric and polarization, especially targeted towards Asian American and, you know, Asian American women even yeah. more so. So mm. hopefully, but please go ahead no. and try to tie it up. I just want to get that <laughs> PSA out there. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Um, I won't try to tack on my dumb opinion after it, uh, but I think <laughs> I agree with everything you said. And I think, um, it's it's been an honor to have you on, Chen. Um, I do have to finish every episode with a sort of repeating question. Um, well, I don't have to, but at this point, <laughs> might as well. Um, do you have a favorite or go-to kind of snack food? Something you can just eat mindlessly, a million of, or uh, or take it however you want. Favorite snack food or a million or junk of? food oh. or like a gas station order. Well, I mean, junk food is easy. I am maybe the biggest fan of ice cream, but okay. but if we're talking about oh, mint chocolate chip is also the you know universally <laughs> highly rated um, accepted best flavor of ice cream. That's your but favorite. If we're talking, oh yeah, oh for sure. But if we're talking about like snacks and junk food, I don't know why, but it might be a little basic. But those those ruffles, uh, with the sour cream. And cheddar chips, mm-hmm. oh, those are to almost rob for, which I would never do. But, <laughs> I, you know, Pringles and Togo were the closest thing. Okay. And then when I came back, the first thing I bought at the airport, besides uh, like a $5 water bottle at the Lomi Airport, whatever, yeah. um, was like the Ruffles sour cream and onion chips. Wow. I don't know why. It's just... It has to be Ruffles, though. It can't be the Lay's. You need to have the oh. bridges. They were they really sold me on the advertisement there. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. When you were in Togo, did you try to, like, seek those out whenever you were at, like, a fancy supermarket? Um, like Champion or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I always looked. But I think, economically speaking, Pringles were the best thing because, I mean, I'm, again, I hope you get some product, you know, advertising <laughs> yeah, placement yeah, here. <laughs> They, I think they're the only ones that do not sell a bag of air. Hmm. They really fill up the Pringles to the top. Yeah. But, you know, you're talking about some Lay's chest. And I understand why they need to keep the air there for freshness. Sure. Putting in quotes there for everyone <laughs> listening. Yeah. <laughs> for freshness, right? You know, for that. But you're talking about your bang for your buck, your penny for your dollar. Yeah. You know, your, I guess, dime for your franc. <laughs> you got to go with the Pringles in Togo. So, yeah. no, I mean, I could have looked harder, but I we were, yeah, yeah, we, we, we were, depends on your perspective. We were rich financially, mm. but we were also not rich financially in yeah. some regards. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a very, uh, it's an interesting dynamic, Dep- de- totally depending on where you were and who you're with. And, um, Pringles definitely also like if you were hopping on a bus back to Atakpame and they were going to be like throwing your bag on the top of the on top of the bush taxi you got to think about okay what's going to get crushed and what's going to survive the trip um Pringles a little bit a little bit more fortified their their packaging I'll say um yeah yeah shout out to Pringles for designing their container that way and also shout out Pringles even even when they get crushed you could just you could still just open it uh, the container and just like you know put, dump it on your hand exposed to the other ones where you got to reach your hand in there. Yeah, I think the Pringles one they're 
because your hand's gonna get stuck halfway through there's no way a hand's gonna fit in a pringle container so i don't know know. there's some people with pretty small hands out there you just you just gotta (laughs) find someone you you gotta find a significant other with hands small enough to fit in a pringles can that is my new selection criteria yeah i guess that's into the dating world that's a deal breaker for me Um, (laughs) it's a a deal breaker that Um, is uh what was i gonna say oh just um yeah, that, that's that's great. Thank you for, for putting a nice little. What, ro- oh, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, what is yours? I mean, I know I think people have asked you, but I I want to know if it's been changed since um season one to the, the reboot. <laughs> yeah, every season I have a new snack food. Uh, no, for me it's the classic goldfish. Um, keep keeps me coming back. We used to just have one of those big like gallon tubs in our house, and I just you just fill up a little container and. That would that was a, the go to. They're just so easy to to keep eating. Um, although these days, I will say, I, I I like I never would will consciously like go and buy them. So um, <laughs> so maybe my answer has changed. Um, I'll have to get back to you. Um, although I also am a big fan of ice cream. Do you do you have like a go to? You're in the ice cream aisle. Let's say you have access to any ice cream you can imagine. What's your go to brand? Let's say. A brand? Yeah. Wow, this this podcast is... Re- you're really trying to get that product, you know, <laughs> brand money. I, you're really trying to get that money out here. I'm trying to... Um, Chen, I need financial stability. I don't know how long yeah. this job's going to last. I, hey, <laughs> I just don't want... I don't, you know, I love what you're doing with the podcast. You know, try not to sell out too much to the advertisements um, when, when they start coming in after the session. But... <laughs> yeah. um, when this goes viral. <laughs> once it goes viral for you know canceling shakespeare or juliet <laughs> um i think ben and jerry's has been my go-to recently because yeah even more than just having good ice cream they yeah. do a lot more um mm. you know advocacy work and yeah. you know kind of behind the scenes stuff that i am happy to put my money at yeah. where um you know put my money at sure but before then i just used to be you know the I'm sure you can relate, maybe, maybe not, the broke college student, and I was just <laughs> sure. looking for the, whatever the cheapest off-brand was, right. and that's not to say I have, not to say that I've moved up in any regards, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just know the importance of putting your money to places mm. and organizations, as opposed to, I just want some ice cream. Yeah. Take note, companies, all you companies who are listening to this, uh, if you want Chen's hard-earned cash... You got to put your money where your mouth is. Um, Cool. Well, I think that's a nice little place to wrap up. Um, Thank you so much for joining me, Chen. This is really enjoyable. Um, I think you had some really great things to say, and I I hope people enjoy listening to it as well. Um, And uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed Chen as much as I did. And uh, have a great week. Bye-bye.